As we get into Revelation chapter 9, we're right in the middle of the trumpet judgments. The seal judgments have passed. There were seven of them. And each of those seal judgments brought a judgment onto planet Earth, some impacting the agriculture and the cosmos and the land and the waters, and then some impacting people directly. Kind of this cosmic heaven and earth collide judgment. And then as we saw this pause, I need to say this, There was a pause before the seventh seal and before the first trumpet where there was a holy hush in heaven and the censer of the prayers of the saints was finally full. As if to say, listen, that the censer in heaven where the prayers of the saints go up, when you pray, it goes into God's inbox. It's not full yet. It's not full yet. There are more things for you to do to be a part of right now to pray for to fill that up. And I believe there is a time where that censer will be full and the Lord will say, it's time. It's time. And we saw the angel there take the censer with the prayers of the saints, the incense of God, that's God's power, mingled with your prayer. I encouraged you last week to be prayer people, to repent of your prayerlessness, to be a prayer person. In these three points of prayer, number one, to be an adorer, adoration, to know that the Lord is good and tell him so in prayer. If you don't spend time adoring the Lord and worshiping him, listen, you'll spend time adoring lesser things and worshiping lesser things. You're made to worship. You're a worshiper. Gadgets and gold and guys and girls, and you'll be putting your affection towards lesser things. Not even necessarily sinful things, okay? Just lesser things. I want you guys this week say, have I been adoring the Lord or have I just been adoring the organ ducks, you know? Have I been adoring the Lord or just been adoring the, the things or my, my family or, or this, thing, this, this trip coming up? Nothing wrong with appreciating life. Adore the Lord, okay? Second thing, not just adore the Lord, but to bring your supplications and your requests and your petitions to him. Don't be so prideful in your life. Are you heavy laden and burdened? Are there big things going on? And oh, if it's to be, it's up to me. Listen, bring those and cast them to the Lord. Be a prayer warrior in that way. And the last one was intercession. Praying for the people around you. Praying for the lost. Praying for the hurting. Praying for the leaders and government. The Bible instructs us. I need to remind you and instruct me because I believe the church today is prayerless more than any other time. And I know for a fact, if Luke Frechette was going to adjust one discipline in his life, it would be prayer because prayer is what changes everything else. And let me remind you of this, who are note takers, who are considering this, who are taking this to heart. God takes your prayers and adds his incense. In other words, God's gonna take his power and add it to your prayers. Because if you pray based on your resources, your abilities, your strengths, your insights, your wisdom, guess what? You won't pray. Hey, Wally, come on up right here. We got a chair right here. We're gonna make room. John, can you make room of your chair right there? And we got Wally coming. How you doing, bud? You're doing good. Yeah, come on up here. We got room for you right there. And I want you guys to be encouraged as you pray. Listen, it's not about you. If you don't know that God is gonna back your prayers, hear your prayers, guess what? You won't pray. And the last thing I wanna say is this before we get into Revelation chapter nine, because this holy hush happened and I believe God wants us to be a praying people. Let me remind you of one story in the book of Luke chapter one. Remember when Zechariah was going into the temple to offer incense at the time of prayer and he walked in and an angel showed up. What did the angel say to him? Hey, scared him half to death. And then the angel said, hey, I heard your prayers. Oh, really? I'm finally gonna get that Ferrari? No, not that prayer. That was dumb. That was a dumb prayer. (laughs) Dumb prayer, Zacharias. I heard your other prayers. Your wife, Elizabeth, she's gonna have a kid. And he's like, brah. 
that ship has sailed. She's no spring chicken anymore. It's not going to happen. Read the story. Luke chapter one. He's like, it's not, I'm old. She's old. Here's my point. When was the last time Zechariah prayed for his wife, Elizabeth, to get pregnant? Okay. It hadn't been recently. Trust me. Okay. You let that prayer go. And yet the Lord says, no, I heard your prayers. When did you hear my prayers? 35 years ago. Oh, 35 years ago. Okay. Well, that is really weird, you know. Okay. And so you're going to answer that prayer now? You know, Zechariah's like, dude, a little, little late, bro. Like, I'm not trying to go to my kid's graduation when I'm 190. Like, anyways, my, my point is, God heard his prayers and answered them according to his will. Listen, his timeline and his power. God will not answer your prayers according to your will, your timeline, or your power. If he did, there'd be no answer to prayers. It's got to be his will. He's going to do it. His timeline, when he wants to do it, and his power, the incense. What does that mean? It means pray. Don't stop praying. Some of you right now are against prayer because you didn't get your prayer answered. Got it answered the wrong way. You're mad, disappointed, upset. I get it. Okay, repent of that. Say, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And Lord, would you take the answers of my prayers and would you use them for your glory like Hannah prayed there at the altar? Remember Hannah in the book of Samuel? She prayed, Lord, I don't, I need to, please. And if you would grant me a baby, Lord, he'll be yours. She became pregnant. And she gave that kid, Samuel, to the Lord. God wants to use your prayers. Don't quit praying. Who are you praying for right now? Who's broken? Who's upside down? Who's out to lunch? Who's incarcerated in their mind? Pray, pray, pray for our country. Pray for our church. Pray for your life. Pray for your kids. Be a prayer person. Because I, I feel that a lot of people leave a church service like ours and walk out the door and they're like, oh man, now what do I do? That was so fun. That was so cool. Bible study and man, Pastor Luke and ah, you know, and, and now, now what do I do? I do. I can't. I don't have a microphone. I can't do it. I want to do it. Heat out, you know, and, you, and you, you leave confused. I don't know what God made you, you, to bring up those prayers to the Lord that he would hear and that one day we see here at this time, and I believe this time is not too far away, the Lord would answer those prayers. And if you guys were here last week, you remember the angel hurled these prayers down to planet earth and began the judgments, the first second, third, and fourth trumpet judgments. And they were primarily judgments on planet Earth. The sea and the water and the trees and the grass were cursed. Which, by the way, consider this. Humanity right now loves trees, doesn't it? I mean, we love them. I love them too, don't get me wrong. I love the ocean, I love it all, I just love it. But there are people right now giving their entire lives to loving trees, and there are governments and ordinances set up to protect the trees. We had a tree that was dying in Ashland one time, and it was going to fall down an oak tree. And, and we had to get permits and get permission and have like a ceremony before we cut that sucker down. And we had to promise to plant like 7,000 more trees in the Amazon, you know. And man, we had, we had to do stuff. It was like, dude, you can't be cutting that tree. And I was like, this tree's dead and dying. Like, doesn't matter. It's a tree, you know. And I love trees. Here's the deal, though, and just like, coming come into some turbulence now on our flight. <laughs> God's like, oh, you love trees? You think that's a, a, a resource? It's a special, special resource in, in water? You guys love that stuff? Cool. I gave, I gave that to you. You know what else I gave you? 
I give to you brothers and sisters. I give to you people made in my image. And yet you don't have as much love for people as you do for trees. And I'm kind of frustrated. And I'll take, I'll take away your trees because I gave them to you. Because if you, if you continue to look at unborn babies and call them fetuses and cellular structures and blobs, and then you protect sea turtles and bald eagles, and, and yet you allow... Did you know abortion happens every second? on average, in, in the world, 125,000 a day. This year, we're on target for 40 million worldwide. There's an abortion counter. It's on my, my desktop. More than, it's, it's faster than your clock ticks seconds, one child. Now, I believe that every kid that is aborted, every life that is lost in the age of innocence, heaven. God is so good. Heaven's being populated right now, pretty fast. And I believe that abortion is also forgivable and restorable. Yeah, I believe so. God's grace knows no bounds. But I also believe that it's detestable and that when you understand what's really going on, when you really do, and our country's lost its way, our world's lost its way. And so when we read Revelation 9 now, and, and, and it's really getting bad, the judgment of God, I think you guys understand it. It's, it's not easy to talk about. You should never be able to talk about the judgment of God without like, we're going to see this in chapter 10. In, in, in chapter 10, John is considering the judgment of God and it, he, he receives a book and, and he digests it and it's sweet. It's the Bible. And then it makes him sick because of truth of what's happening in our world. And so as we look at the judgment, I think we, we're under, we understand this. It's just, it's intense. It's intense. And so now we're moving into the whoa, whoa, whoa. Remember verse 13, last verse of chapter eight? And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven saying with a loud voice, whoa, whoa, whoa to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blasts of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. And even in this, I see this angel going, guys, because there's people on earth that could, should, and must repent. It's not too late for them. That's what's happening. God is cleansing and judging the earth, but he's giving ample opportunity for people to tap out and to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Everything that they have come to worship and to love on planet earth horizontally is being shook. Nothing humbles you, in my opinion, more okay, than a natural disaster. You know what I'm saying? The ground is, what the, you know, and hailstones. You know, everything we've been worshiping and taking for granted Starvation and water poisoning. It's all, it's all detailed. Why? Because God is trying to shake people up. He's trying to wake people up. Same is true in your life, by the way. Smaller storms, shakedowns. We're trying to get your attention. So good. Feeling shaky. Feeling a little wacky. It's okay. Because the Lord loves you. This angel, whoa, 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 guys, 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 guys. Look at verse 9. Okay, we're going to try and do three chapters now. <laughs> Darn it. Then the fifth angel, this is the fifth trumpet, sounded. And I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. 
And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Stop right there, eyes up here. Up until this point, we have seen supernatural, cataclysmic agriculture and skies and stars and, dare I say, normal judgment. And now we're moving into a demonic realm. It says in verse 1, and I saw a star fallen. You could say, oh, it's another star, a meteorite, an asteroid. But the next verse says, and to him, okay, that is a plural possession. We know this is an angel, a fallen angel. I'm going to speculate. This is Satan himself, was given the key to the bottomless pit. And as Satan now is given authority, limited authority, okay, just so you guys know, those of you who are new to the faith, God is not in a wrestling match with Satan, and God has good days and bad days, and Satan has good days and bad days, and it's a tug of war. And Listen, God is supreme. Jesus is king, fully in control. And even when Satan does what he does, he does so under the obedience, okay, and under the control of God. And God uses Satan, okay, in order to shake up the world and get their attention and then save them. It's kind of a big old trick on Satan. And so when this star that has fallen comes to the ground, know this, God's intention to save people. As a matter of fact, John has seen this now. And he would be reminded of what Jesus said in Luke 10. In Luke 10, the disciples had been sent out by Jesus to do ministry. And when they were out doing ministry, because Jesus sent them out with his authority, they were able to heal people, to cast out devils, to deliver folks from depression and schizophrenia and all kinds of things. And they saw lives changed. And they came back like, they were so fired up. Luke chapter 10, right around verse 18. Jesus, this is, their, this is their report of ministry. Even the devils flee when we pray. Jesus looked at him and he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And I believe he was going into his mind, into eons past, where Satan fell, as recorded in the book of Isaiah chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 28, where Satan, who was created to be a worship leader, was in the ministry, was actually powerful, used. And maybe even in that powerful being used was tempted to say, oh, look at me, which led to his demise and fall. And it could have been Jesus, not trying to pull the wind out of the sail of the disciples, but maybe just pump the brakes. Oh, you guys are walking in power, huh? You liking this ministry thing? Did you know that liking that ministry thing too much is what caused Satan to fall? What? It's a loving, subtle warning. I saw Satan fall when he began to think he was something. Jesus didn't stop there. He's a great teacher. He said, I saw Satan fall. Maybe, maybe similar to what we're seeing here. Behold, a, a fallen star. That is past tense. The star didn't just fall. It was a star that had already fallen, John says. Jesus goes on then in Luke 10 to teach his boys a lesson. He said, you know what I want you to rejoice in though, guys? Not that demons listen to you. That's pretty cool. That's good. You got power. Oh, you healed some people? Amazing. You asked for miracles and miracles were given? Thumbs up. I don't want you to rejoice in that. Luke 10, write it down, read it later. 
He said, you know what I want you to rejoice in? That your name is written in heaven. You're going to heaven. That's the big deal. Not ministry, not power, not miracles. Those things follow salvation, Jesus says. Book of Mark, last verse. Power. He said, you know what? You want to know what makes you so special to planet Earth? You're a heavenly citizen going to heaven. And I say that to a group like ours that maybe hasn't ever cast out a devil. Maybe you've never prayed for somebody and seen them healed. Maybe you don't have great gifts of ministry. You're just, you're just, a, you're just going to heaven. I'm just a dumb old Christian. I don't ever do nothing. I just go to heaven. And the Lord says, what? You're going to heaven? You... Because there's a big trick out there, isn't there? Man, if I could just do that, if I could just go there, if I could just taste the power. Really? Have you been saved? Yeah. <laughs> Have your sins been forgiven? Yeah. Do you fear death? No. I don't. I'm going to heaven. Then you should rejoice. You, should, you can. You ought to. You get to rejoice today. Man, what a lie. And we get into so much trouble in this crazy world. When we go out there, it's just dumb old Christians. I don't know a bunch. I don't speak in tongues. I don't have gifts. I can't do nothing. I think I'll just go eat worms and die. You know, or whatever you're going to eat. Whatever you're going to do. You ever do stupid stuff because you get depressed? Don't raise your hand. You ever get, you know, ah, I'm just a dummy, you know. I'm so dumb. I'm just going to go get loaded. I'm going to go do dumb stuff. What a trick. I fall into that. Look at my own life and consider what I can do, what I, what I offer. And come to the Lord, did you see what I did? He's like, that was pretty cool. You, you realize that you're saved, right? That's what I want you to rejoice in. And so here now, fast forward. I, I believe, and, and let me just say three things quickly about what John details in the future of the book of Revelation and really all of it. Three rules of interpretation. Number one, maybe John, what he saw next struggled with his current vocabulary to describe what he was seeing, okay? Does that sound pretty obvious? He's seeing a futuristic judgment. And maybe what we're about to explore, maybe it's like, he just did his best with the vocabulary given, okay? They didn't have Scud missiles. They didn't have stealth bombers. They didn't have AK-47s. They didn't have any of that stuff. They didn't have the internet back then. It was all dial up. It was all messed up back then. He didn't have that stuff. So when, when we see what he's about to describe, maybe he just is doing his best. Maybe also, secondarily, maybe John was writing the way he writes in the future. We're gonna see a lot of symbolism to protect the message from the Romans, okay? And to promote the message amongst Gentile, or not Gentiles, but Old Testament believers. Once he would read this and say, oh, I get that, I get that. So it was, it was code, it was code. Third rule of interpretation. Maybe John wrote down exactly what John saw. And when it says it was a locust that had fire coming out of its mouth and stingers out of its tail, maybe that's exactly what it was, demonic locust from hell, okay? I'm gonna say it right now, I don't know. I'm gonna try and teach this and connect the dots. It could have been any one of those three. It could have been John doing his best to describe nuclear warfare, atomic exchange, military arsenal going off in the future. That's kind of where I tend to land. It could have been him using symbols. It could have also been him just saying, yeah, this is crazy, Believe it or not, we're still in verse one. Uh, <laughs> so fun. The, I worked so hard last night. Then the fifth angel. Then the, I repent. Then the fifth angel 
sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven and to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Oh, no. And he opened the bottomless pit. And smoke arose out of the pit like, means it's not, but it's like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. And then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. And to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Were these real locusts that came out with scorpion powers? Locusts don't sting. Locusts do consume. In the scriptures, throughout the scriptures, locusts are always used to describe judgment. Locusts. They would come upon the earth. They still do today. You can, you can Google it and swarm it. Or don't swarm it. You can Google swarm. <laughs> Just swarm it on the Google, you know. Recently, there was a swarm that landed in, in Las Vegas, Sin City, and these swarm of grasshoppers and locusts came in and just, you know, and the scientists are like, they're attracted to the light. You know, I'm like, okay, call it what you want, you know, and locusts are a sign of judgment and God's disapproval. And locusts come into those regions, they would consume everything and whole nations and villages would be consumed. Were these real locusts? I don't know. They were given supernatural powers to sting. Let's talk about the bottomless pit for a second, though, so you know. The bottomless pit is a real place where really, really bad demons are kept right now. Now, let's clarify a few things. Demons are bad no matter what. Amen? Okay. They're not your friends. Don't pray to them. Don't try and, you know, lead them to the Lord. It's not going to work out for them. You know, all demons are bad. Yet in the bottomless pit, there are extra bad demons. These are the demons that had relations with women back before the flood and created the giant race back in Genesis 1 through 5. These are the demons that when they create and do extra evil things are banished to the abyss or to the abuso or to Hades. They're held there for these days. When Jesus cast out the demons out of the demoniac man, they begged, don't send us to the abyss, the bottomless pit. And so Jesus put him in a bunch of swine, you know, and they became deviled ham and jumped into the, you know, lake there. And that's funny stuff. Was that only a little bit funny? Okay, okay. A bunch of vegetarians this morning. Anyways. This, this just gets me scared a little bit. Demons are bad already. They're bad news. There are more demons that are locked up right now for the day of judgment. They will be released to planet Earth. Okay, under God's control, sovereignty. But it is going to get gnarly. If you've watched like the Lord of the Rings, you know, when the orcs are marching, the regular demons, and then they got the orc lords and the other guys that come up behind them. This is what we're seeing here, in my opinion. Are they locusts or are they demons that act like locusts in that they're there to judge and to consume? You be the judge. It says, verse 4, that they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing. We've already seen that cursed or any tree, which, by the way, would tell me these are unique locusts if they are locusts. That's all locusts do is harm grass and trees and all that, so just piece it together. But only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. What are we doing here, guys? We're just here to attack those who haven't already been sealed. Interesting. In other words, the ones who have been sealed are protected. You know what the ones that are sealed are there for, right? They're sealed to, starts with S, and rhymes with Irv. Anybody? Serve. To a, okay, where, you guys here? Serve. They're there to serve. And so God says, I'm going to judge planet Earth. It's going to be nuts. Oh, you who are sealed and serving? Hall pass. Thanks for being on my team. And can I just tell you guys right now, life's hard for everybody. But it gets even harder when you stop serving. When you just live wrong. Okay? 
What do I mean, what do I mean by serving? Whatever God wants you to do. A soft heart towards him, towards the church, towards your family. Sir, I'm a, I'm a servant, man. Get back in the game. The servants are protected. Verse 5, we see the limit of God on these demons, these locusts. And they were not given authority to kill them. To kill who? The people of planet Earth. The rebels. No, no don't, don't kill them. Just bug them. Get it? Locusts? Bug? Man. Do we have that video ready yet? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Dang it. They were not given authority to kill them, but to torment them for five months. Their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. I just, I just, it's such a teachable point. The reason these demons are given authority to do what they do is to bug people. To get their attention. To sting them. You ever been stung by something before? Man, it's God's gift. It's God's gift. You ever been bugged before? You don't look at it as God's gift at the time. I remember growing up with Joe and Arthur Frechette here in the front row. They're sitting with my son Noah. And, and I got in three car wrecks in one month. It wasn't my fault. And, and lo and behold, none of them were my fault. Totaled my car and almost totaled my dad's truck and they're on Highway 101 and one in Corvallis. And, and then I wrecked Paul Schoen's truck at, at the Taco Time drive-thru. <laughs> Anyways, none of them were my fault. And so my dad, with wisdom, seeing his son's life begin to develop as a 16, 17-year-old idiot. My dad said, hey, maybe, do, you think, do you think maybe God's trying to get your attention in any, any way at all, son? <laughs> dad, how dare you? I said, if it was, none of them were my fault. Do you, do you not understand? I'm just minding my own business. Now, I was out of control. My life was out of control. And God was trying to get a hold of me through these stings, getting bugged. And I'm thankful. Thankful for God's grace. Verse 6. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. There's a limit of what they can do and for how long they do it. There's a five-month time span on this scorpion infection and the men who are plagued seek suicide and yet God says no it won't be possible now that's a supernatural miracle that says no not gonna let not gonna let it happen did you know that 75 percent of suicides today end in failure they actually don't work you can you can watch documentaries of people with half their face left on because failed suicide attempts and and here's the misnomer these are non-believers Non-believers. And when a non-believer kills themselves to escape pain, you know what they don't escape? Pain. God says, no, 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 no. You guys aren't, no way. No way. It's not going to go well for you. There, there is no escape from pain in death for the non-believer. And so even God in his mercy says, no, I want you to suffer. To get your attention. I'm bugging you. I'm stinging you. I'm not going to let you die. Death is no escape for the heathen. And I don't have time. I got some other stuff. And people think this, though. I'm going to be in a better place. Uh, not if you don't know Jesus. The Littleton, Colorado murderers, those two young boys that went in and killed everybody years and years ago, they filmed a little documentary before they did it. And one of the 
young boys looked at his parents and said, you know, I, I don't like life. Life's not been good to me, so I'm going to a better place. And they were about to commit mass murder. He's like, no, no, you don't. Oh, no, you're not. And God knows, no, you're not going to a better place unless you repent and give your life to Jesus. Death is no escape. Interesting how we want to escape from pain. And I have a whole sermon prepared. Evidently, it's just for me, not you. <laughs> On all of the things that we do as believers, not suicide. Suicide is not an answer, okay? It is not an answer to your pain. It is not an answer. It creates pain. It's horrible. And yet, you and I who are believers, when stung and bugged, and we, we look for other things that deaden the pain. So I'll just put this down a little bit. And the Lord said, I'm not bugging you. It's like, you go do that. I'm bugging you because I want to I wanna get closer to your heart. I want to adjust. And it may be just, maybe, the, maybe the Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts. What, what do you run to when you're bugged? Maybe it's not super bad, but you know it's not super good. Maybe it's just a, a, a dumb, just a sideways vice. I'm just going to go play Candy Crush for six days straight, you know. I'm going to go golf, you know, 400 holes in a row, you know. I'm going to go polish my car until there's no car left to polish, you know. I don't know. I got stuff in my life. I, I know for a fact, I was like, why do, you, why do you do that every time you get bugged? Every time, Luke. I want closer to your heart. There's the, the escape you're looking for is in the presence of God. And the shape of the locust, verse 7, was like horses prepared for battle. Now, I'm going to read and make comment. Every time he mentions this next description, he says, like. Notice it with me, Bible students. The shape of the locust, whether they're demons or real locusts, we don't know, was like horses prepared for battle. Horses, by the way, are one of the only animals that will willingly run into battle and kill themselves. In other words, these locusts and demons, they're going for it. This is a bad day of judgment. These aren't just, you know, nice. These are horses for battle. Did you know you can run a horse to the point of exhaustion and then it will just die? It's crazy. These demons, they're all like, like orcs. They're just, they're not satisfied. They're, they're going to keep going. On their heads were crowns of something like gold. They're protected. They're fierce. And their faces were like the faces of men. What? Now, was he, was he really seeing this? Was he struggling? Was he communicating? Men are actually the most sophisticated being that God has ever created. And I want you to understand something. Demons are similar. They're not dumb. Demons are wise. Maybe apply this to your own life. The demons that have been assigned to you, they're not dummies. They've been assigned to you. They study your life. They've been doing this for a while, thousands and thousands of years. And they watch your every move, and they understand, you know what I'm going to do? About six weeks from now, I'm going to catch Luke at a low point. I see what's going on. And they're wise. And next time you're dealing with spiritual warfare or temptation or you're being bugged or being stung, for me, when I look around and say, wait a minute, I smell hell in this. I smell some sulfur. Oh, that's what's going on. I got a demon who won't stop. Just plaguing me. As a, as a believer, you can't be possessed, okay? 
greater is he who's in you than he who's against you. You can't have demons in you as a believer. If you're a non-believer, you can. You invite them in all the time. If you're a believer, you're protected, you're sealed. But you will be oppressed. You will be attacked from time to time. And the Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. This is your victory. These guys are wise though, don't be deceived. It goes on to describe these demons. And they had hair like women's hair. And I believe this is again indicative of the deceitfulness that comes from the lusts and the lies that the devil puts upon all man and all woman. And you just go through your grid on all the battles you face every day. Like a horse, gold, face of a man, the hair like a woman. Was he seeing this? Was he communicating? It goes on. And their teeth were like lion's teeth. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, guys, gals, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may befriend. Devour. It doesn't say befriend. He wants to kill you. Those are some pretty sharp teeth. What are you planning on doing with those, you know? He's not messing around. Keep going. And their breastplates were like breastplates of iron. That is, hardness of heart. There's no feeling. You ever feel empathy and sympathy for demons? Don't. They're not like that. They're not like people on earth. They have no feelings. They've fallen. They're different. And the sound of the wings was like the sounds of chariots of many horses running into battle. What does John see? I don't know. Were they real demons? Was this a military? And they had tails like scorpions and there were stings in their tails and their power was to hurt men five months again there's limitation two more verses and we're done guys verses 11 and 12 and they had his king over them the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in hebrew is abaddon or if you say it in your southern drawl a bad one you know something like that <laughs> maybe not sorry that just went into my head, and I, I, I'm supposed to take every thought captive, and I didn't do it. Now it's in your head. Lord, would you heal us? You know. Abaddon, but in Greek, his name is Apollyon. Both interpret, or interpretations and definitions of Apollyon and Abaddon are the same, destroyer. And the point there is, is it doesn't matter what language you speak or what race you are or where you come from. Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. destroy. Guys, gals, this has helped me in so many battles in my own life. Temptation and deals when I feel like the devil's afoot. What's the devil really want? Does he want to like, just give me a little, a little pleasure for a second? Is he, is he out here to help me? No. He's going to steal, he's going to kill, and he's going to destroy. That's what he does. Oh, well, I'm going to back out then. I'm out of here. Okay, know this, especially you young people. Old people are not uh, exempt. King David committed adultery with Bathsheba in his 50s. Temptation. What's, what's the devil want to do? Kill you. One woe is past, and behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Wow. In this, God's purpose is protected in that there are limits of time, limits of depth, 
And yet there is a warning for us. I'm going to have Pastor Marty come, and he's going to lead us in a communion song. And let me just speak to you as I believe the Lord is speaking to me. You guys are my friends. And I, and I believe the Lord is speaking to me in areas of my life, and maybe he's speaking in areas of your life, where Luke, it's 2019. This is coming down. And I want to do great things through your life. I want to use you. This is why you're here. And while this is a futuristic event, guess what, guys? We won't be here for this. Do you guys know that as believers? I struggled all week to feel the text because I'm not going to be there. <laughs> How do I teach this stuff? I'm not even going to be there. And yet the Lord says, but there's application for us here. Because while the bottomless pit is sealed, there are still battles. And as we see the description of these enemy forces, you can believe and you can know and you can understand what the devil's trying to do in your life right now. Maybe you got conflict at home. And maybe you're the instigator. Maybe you're just, you just keep picking at that scab. And you're just like, man, I'm just, I'm the boss. I'm, I'm mad. I'm going to let him know. Or maybe, maybe there's something in your, in your life, your walk with Jesus. And it's just, it's out of line. It's out of order. It's not as bad as you've been. It's not that bad. But it's not where you could be. And you sense, maybe it's the devil just messing with me. So he's, he's wise and he's cunning and he won't stop. Maybe you've been playing a game in, in any area of your life right now. You're like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna play my cards carefully. It's not gonna hurt anybody else. Nobody knows what's going on. It's just a little attitude. It's just a little flirtation, a little side relationship, just a little thought process, a little fantasy in my mind. I'm gonna control it. It's not gonna get away. And the Lord says, that's gonna sting you. That's gonna bite you. And maybe you've been deceived and you're saying, you know what, I, I know what, I, I can go this far and I'll come back and nobody will be, we call this rubber band theology, by the way, where I'm going to get as far away from the Lord as I feel is safe and then I'm going to get, get back to where I should be. And the problem with rubber band theology is you can't control the comeback. You, you don't know, you don't know. And so if you're like me, you're looking at the times and the seasons, not just the time of this service, but other times. And you know, what are you, what are you doing with your life? Let's go. Stop seeing how far, stop seeing how close you can get to the line. Oh, out of bounds right there? Can I get, how close can I get? What are you, what's that about? Instead, see how close you can get to the Lord. Don't be deceived. We get to take communion now. And as the communion has been brought out and we're gonna sing a song, this is a day, an opportunity to read Revelation chapter nine and say, all right, Lord forgive me. Let me get my life right. Let me get my heart right. Let me walk with you. If you read on to the end of chapter 9, where I meant to get, it says that in the midst of all this, the men still would not repent. Stingers coming out of their faces. And life falling apart, being bugged, trying to die, wouldn't be able to die. They said, we're not going to repent. I don't want that to be my story. Here, so would you bow, bow your heads. Lord, in Jesus' name, we repent, all of us collectively. If you have something to repent of right now, would you just nod your head and say, yeah, I repent my attitude. I've just been such a jerk to my spouse. I've been so mean. 
I've just been, I'm on purpose, I've been looking for creative ways to tear them down and hold them accountable and to punish them for the, what they've done to me. And I just, I repent of being so selfish and so vindicative and I repent. Or, or maybe you've been immoral. Maybe there's been something, you're just slipping around and sneaking around. It's gonna bite you. Repent of your immorality. Delete that app today if you need to. Just delete that friend on Facebook. You don't need that person in your life. Seek the Lord. Maybe it's a substance. We're going to see that at the end of chapter 9. There's substance abuse being committed by the people during this time. They're looking to deaden the pain. They're looking. Ask the Lord. Lord, do I need to repent of that? Lord, you're so good. So good. Your death, burial, and resurrection demonstrated in the bread and in the cup. What we do now, we examine ourselves. We proclaim your death until you come. We commune. We thank you, Jesus. We do apologize. I apologize for all of my justified carnality, all of my immaturity. Lord, when on the other side of everything we've said, ah, it's not that bad. Everything on the other side of that is great and glorious and grand. So may we make room for the King of Kings as he stands at the door and knocks. Bless the table. Bless our fellowship. Bless our repentance. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.